our summer catch-up episode on episode 351 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. We're amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky, and this podcast is for anybody else going under the stars. I joined an astronomy club, Shane. And Ooh, yeah, I astronomy. saw this. So tell me more. Which club? Well... So t- typically, I was just a member of the Royal Astronomical Society of Canada, but not affiliated with with any club for, holy cow, like maybe 10 years or something like that, okay. which is fine. And I know lots of other people. But then there was like a few things. The main thing being that I I recently had gone back to Kitchener-Waterloo and visited with a bunch of friends there. And I was thinking, well, I think the centers get like 10 bucks or something when you when you sign up. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll just, and they were joking about me joining from so far away. So I thought, I'm just going to join because they might as well get my $10. And we're going to try to do a couple other things um, over the next year or so. And I thought, oh, it'll just be fun to join. So anyway, so I was like, I'll just join and uh, and do that. There's also sometimes, sometimes I need to know some information from the RASC. And it doesn't get communicated to me because I'm not a member of a center. Mm. So I just like don't know sometimes important details. And when you're a member of the center, I think you get that sent out. I'm not sure why they don't send it out to us on attached members, but uh, but typically they don't. So then, yeah, I was kind of getting a hard time by the board when I was asking for information. They told me to contact my rep and those, those people are no longer on the board of the RESC, but regardless... I was kind of like, yeah, I don't have a rep because I'm a, an attached member. And they kind of were turning their noses up at me. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to join a center. And then then I'll have a rep. And uh, yeah, and and I like the KW Center guys. So I'm going to try to get back there every once in a while and observe and go eat red and drink beer and stuff like that. It's all fun. <laughs> mm, right on. That's cool. Yeah. How, how about you? What's new with you? Uh, lots of solar observing. Um a little bit of just naked eye nighttime observing, but, you know, really waiting for more darkness. Uh, the nights like astronomical night is still kind of short, although mm-hmm. it's about to change here with this August new moon. So yeah, not, not a lot else to report other than that. Um, you know, the thing you and I were just briefly talking about here before this episode record or before we pressed record, um, is, uh, in, in grasslands national park. I went there for a, a hiking adventure, uh, didn't even bring a telescope I went during uh, full moon and, uh, stayed in what's called an authentic, which, uh, for listeners who may not be aware of that, it's, it's like a permanent, uh, almost cabin like structure that you can rent at the national park. Uh, it has beds and tables and stuff like that. And, um, it's kind of a unique design. It's an A-frame, but the roof is like this heavy duty canvas that is, I think used, um, I think the army uses it here actually in Canada is like, uh, uh, when they're setting up headquarters or, you know, operations all over the place, they can deploy these things quite quickly. And anyway, I stayed in one and it was a really good experience. And, uh, what I really liked about it is, um, uh, like, I think it will facilitate an afternoon nap, which, yeah. you know, for astronomers, that might be one of the most important things on an astronomy weekend next to good weather, uh, is the ability to sleep during the day because you're up all night. Um, and if you, if you're not able to catch up on some of that sleep, uh, the weekend just 
gets a little frustrating for me. And, uh, you know, night two, and if you're there for a night three, you just don't have the energy anymore. Um, you know, if you're not able to recoup some of that sleep. So I'm excited for this potential. Um, you know, these authentics, uh, they've been available for a long time. I've just never really considered them. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm glad that I was able to try one out. And like I said, it's, it's a bit of a game changer. I'll certainly be looking to, uh, rent these in the future whenever I go to grasslands. Yeah. And, and I, I know it well, like that's one of the reasons why, uh, we end up buying, uh, a really old, um, busted up cabin. Because mm-hmm. just being able to get in out of the sun and and uh, rest up during the day and like if we were camping a lot, but then if I wanted to do astronomy and my wife was along, it's it's not like a great time for her, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's fine mm-hmm. once in a while, but you know when you're doing this every new moon and then she's kind of sort of stuck alone in a tiny tent, sometimes in some you know, pretty remote places. Um, you know, like I said, once or twice a summer is fine, but like, you know, once a month it starts to, it starts to wear and she just wants to sort of sit and read a book. And then you're like, Hey, can you turn on a red light instead of a white light? It's like, Mm -hmm. no, that's not a good permanent, uh, permanent solution. And yeah, like you said, to be able to sleep, uh, during the day, which, which I do do from, from time to time, especially on good, uh, observing weekends, but it is a game changer to have an indoor place, like regardless, because like even here, like I go out and check out the night sky every, every night and uh, able to do that. Sometimes when you're just camping out in the wild, it's just a matter of hacking to survive and then surviving the experience and the astronomy ends up being compromised no matter how you do it. So, yeah, very true. So let's see observatory. I was telling you a little bit about the observatory slowly coming along very slowly now we've we were delayed by parts we're into the part of the project where the roof is on the walls are up the rails are on it will roll back but we need to put tie downs to keep it to keep the roof you know from flying off when it is in the closed position we need to put tie downs so that the roof doesn't go flying off when it's in the open position and so in the meantime it's just screwed down so it's it's basically just a shed with a really crappy gazebo on the back right now and it's probably going to take about a month to really get it uh, to get all these little parts and everything like that working. So that's where that is. Yeah. In any kind of build like that, it's always that last 20% that takes 80% of the time, uh, you know, all exactly. of the finishing work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, like we had these, I wanted to get these um, trans semi-transparent roof panels that Richard Berry recommended. And we got the panels, we got the screws, but there's like these, palerins or whatever they're called to connect the panels to the roof um, frame and couldn't get them had to go to the states had to order them They're, my order was all messed up and getting them for free but they took like instead of two days they took like two weeks or close to it so i got those and then they got the roof on and then there's some finicky work that needs to be done with the roof need to put the pier in need to finish putting the pier in, need to put the mount in, need to put the windows in, need to put the door secured on the doors on, but there's no doorknob or anything, you know, need to run power to it, need to paint it. It's just like, you know, each of those things is like days of work. That's where Mm -hmm. we are. Well, I'm excited to uh, christen that thing once it's done and, you know, do some observing there. I think that'll be awesome. Yeah. I think, I think it will be, um, the spot it's it's pretty nice it's pretty dark and yeah we were i was observing last night actually with kathleen 
our friend Kathleen, who was uh, our first guest on the show, and she was here, and we were we took the binoculars out and did some binocular observing for about uh, half an hour or so, just as it was getting dark, and had a look at the Andromeda galaxy and the double cluster, and she even hunted up uh, the coat hanger cluster I was looking at, the globular M22 and the Lagoon Nebula and the Scutum star cloud and stuff like that. And yeah, it was fun just to just to tool around she's she's here for uh, an event so she had to drive into the city earlier this morning so we didn't stay up too late but uh yeah it was it's a lot of fun it's a reasonably dark place and uh looking forward to having a permanent spot here speaking of longtime friends and observers we had an email from uh bill commenting on our uh, bashing of delphinus yeah yeah i chuckled when i read that um do you want me to read this one? Go Chris? for it. Yeah. yeah. So here's what Bill wrote. Uh, he said, all right, you two, what's with trash talking Delphinus? Uh, it has, or it has what is probably my favorite asterism, uh, French one, and then in brackets, the toadstool. Um, also see if you can get the galaxy off the base of the mushroom. I picked it up with my six inch daub. Uh, maybe it's because hunting mushrooms is my other hobby, but it is also a cool looking asterism. Uh, also, there are a couple of nice uh, globular clusters in the area. Um, so, and then he just finished off by saying, nice to hear the observatory is coming along and I hope you beat the snow. And, uh, you know, thanks, Bill. I, I, I appreciate, you know, pointing out even more objects in Delphinus that uh, are worth checking out. Have you looked at any of that stuff, Chris? I've looked at the globulars, maybe the galaxy. Yeah, with some different and larger telescopes. We've I've spent some time there. I can see why Bill would like it with his uh, with his twenty inch and, and larger instruments for sure. There's there's lots to see there. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. And yeah, we're just sort of having having fun. What is the dolphin anyway? Job's mm-hmm. coffin, French toadstool. Don't know. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> How about you? Have you looked at any of that stuff? Uh, I think I've looked at one of those globulars uh, ages ago. Um, I think with my 12 inch, actually, I was panning through there one time, but, um, I don't, I don't really recall it. So I should probably go back and just see what it looks like, uh, through the four inch. If, uh, if it, if it looks like anything at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm deep into the, uh, calendar. We just have, uh, one section to do as, as I was writing up these notes and, uh, been working on the podcast makes for a nice procrastination project when I should be finishing up that calendar this year i had all new imagers uh, even some who who listen to the show so appreciate people's uh contributions it's been a lot of fun uh and uh yeah kind of coincidental actually in a way since uh, they, they had come recommended by other individuals outside of our our little podcasting world so uh i felt like i wasn't muddying the waters uh yeah so some some images there to look forward to uh and eric who was on the show uh, back in May? Uh, we're putting one of his uh, veil sketches in the in the calendar, and and another observer has provided a solar image, which I'm kind of breaking a lot of the calendar rules to put in. So more on that later. It's a lot of work so far. I got about I think like 320 hours into the calendar, so more to come. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's cool. Well, you know, it's nice to have a project, uh, you know, just to something to do when you got a little bit of downtime. So yeah, right I have no downtime. It's just yeah. all projects around here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Observatory, calendar, 
should be doing stuff for the handbook. And I have a regular job. All right. Robert Azumundi wrote and uh, he said, hi, Chris. Hope your summer is proceeding well. I just returned from the OSP, which is the Oregon, Oregon Star Party. Uh, we had a great week there. People loved both binoculars. Two friends walked up to my booth and one said to the other, hey, this is the thing we heard on Chris and Shane. Are you the guy who was on Chris and Shane? So that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I guess that's the right place to, to run into people that may listen to us. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'd love to get down to the Oregon Star Party. That would be fantastic. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, maybe next year. Robert goes on to say, one other recent development is I ordered some F4.5 50 millimeter lenses and stuck them in the Magic, which is one of his binocular telescopes uh, that you can look up in the past show. So focal length is 225 millimeters. All that requires is swapping out longer dry tubes. They work great. The edge really sharpens up compared to the F3.7. So I think it's a connoisseur's choice. Ideally, I'd like to get to the place where I'm ordering a big batch of custom aspheric 46 mil, 200 millimeter cemented doublets. And that becomes a standard lens for magic. And you order direct from analog sky. That's That would be cool. Uh, so those would be like F4 point somethings. You know, there's lots of good two inch eyepieces for this sort of instrument, like the one that pops out to me that I own is the uh, 22 millimeter Nagler. Um, I feel like would be just such a superb uh, eyepiece to have in this uh, binocular. Of course, I'd have to go and buy another one or find a friend and uh, and give it a try. But man, uh, again, too many projects on my end. And I really would love to get one of the analog sky binoculars going if people want to check that out they can go to analogsky.co and check out robert Azamundi's uh videos yeah super neat project and if you're not familiar with what we're talking about um i forget which episode number it is but i really recommend going back into our archive and listening uh, to that episode um, robert does a great job to explain all of the uh, I guess, features or or capabilities of these binoculars that he's designing that anybody uh, can purchase the plans for. And, and you, if you have access to a 3D printer, you print out kind of the casing and all of the parts, and then you put this thing together and you end up with your own uh, binoscope that has, uh, again, some really neat features that I think is going to make these uh, extremely uh, usable. Just you, that's a great explanation. While you were doing that, I looked it up. Episode 321, 321, binocular printing. <laughs> 3D binocular binoculars, 3D printing binoculars with analog skies, Robert Asamundi. So that's episode number 321. People can uh, find that. That's a, that's a pretty good episode number for 3D printing binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll never forget it now. <laughs> well, three for 3D, two for two eyes, two lenses, and one for analog sky. Yeah, worked perfect. Out, worked out well. Worked out well. Had an email here from Alejandro. Uh, do you want to give that one a read? Uh, yeah. So he said, hi, Chris and Shane. It's been a while since I've sent you an email. I've been listening to the podcast though. Uh, the short episodes with uh, Daniel Andreasen have been great. And I enjoyed the episode with Jerry Oliton, uh, Ol Oltian uh, as well. Uh, anyhow, I've been experimenting and testing gears. So let's dive in. 
My 10-inch scope had some issues, which turned out to be pinched optics. Uh, the stars were pointy and hard to focus to a point of light. Uh, the people on one of the Facebook groups I'm in helped. Uh, I loosened the mirror clips and the scope is now in great shape. It's a beast. I've sold a couple of eyepieces I wasn't really using and got a few more, selling stuff to get more stuff. Uh, so, uh, I can relate Welcome to Welcome to the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he goes on to say that he sold uh, or sold my GSO 2-inch Superview 30mm eyepiece and a set of three Agena inch and a quarter SWAs. Uh, there was a 20 millimeter of 15 and a 10. Uh, I had the SWAs uh, for a little while, but found out I prefer Plossels. Recently, I bought a Teleview 18.2 millimeter Delight. Uh, it has excellent contrast, brightness, and definition. This is my first Teleview eyepiece, and I can see why they are so popular and one of the high-end brands in our hobby. I also bumped into a 28mm RKE by Edmund Scientific while doing some online research. I bought it and tested it. Uh, despite the 45 degree field of view, it, it does provide that spacewalk feeling. Um, and, and Chris, I think you've looked through one of these eyepieces before. Mm -hmm. It is a really unique presentation. Um, you and Alistair were just talking about it on the last show for a couple minutes because I think uh, you've loaned yours out to him. Is it, is, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Alistair was interested in trying uh, some longer focal length, kind of minimal glass type of eyepiece, whether it was an ortho or, or something along those lines. But one of his requirements is he wanted it to be available for purchase. So a lot of the ones that I have are discontinued and you can only find on the used market. Uh, other than the 28 millimeter RKE, they're still being sold brand new from Edmund Scientific. And uh, so I mailed that to him. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just, you really have to look through one to know what that spacewalk reference is all about because the eyepiece really does disappear. It's almost like you're like, it's almost like a television screen when I'm looking at it. It's just, it's such a different uh, presentation. So cool eyepiece. Neat. Um, yeah. Alejandro goes on to say, uh, it takes a bit of practice to get used to it. And that's what uh, Alistair and I were talking a little bit about uh, when we recorded there. Uh, but he says, due to the long eye relief and eye placement, but once you get it, it's amazing. Uh, I can see why Jerry Oltian wanted uh, one to go with the scope he built. The views are great. Uh, I've been looking for a Plossel in the 20 to 25 millimeter range and found a Mead 25 millimeter Super Plossel used. Uh, I believe it's the 4000 series. Uh, that one is still in the mail on its way to me. I'm also upgrading my low power eyepiece and just got a used Explore Scientific 2 inch 28 millimeter 68 degree eyepiece on cloudy nights. Hmm. This one is also on its way to me. Uh, we haven't had many clear nights recently down here between summer storms and the Saharan dust. Things have, haven't been good for astronomy. And when we do get, uh, a somewhat clear night, humidity and mosquitoes are a pain. Anyhow, thanks for the great content. I'm sharing a couple of photos of the new eyepieces and that's all he had to say. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, Alejandro, uh, I dream of observing in Florida when it's minus 30 here. <laughs> mm, yeah, isn't that true? Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be awesome. So yeah, it's really neat to, to have people in Florida. I think we have a few listeners in Florida, so it's fun, uh, when people that are that far South write us about their own, uh, 
their own observing. It it seems like it's really hot and humid there now. I know we've had some yeah. private communication, Alejandro and I. So, and I think the ocean around Florida is at its all time highest temperature ever. So yeah. Yeah. there's yeah. there's that too. I imagine that's playing some havoc. Yeah, for sure. You know, and maybe just kind of on the coattails here of the uh, the 26 or 25 millimeter mead superplossal and then the conversation with Alistair, um, it might be worth mentioning that uh, if if people aren't aware, Takahashi released a new set of eyepieces. Um, they're called the TPLs and uh, they're essentially plossals from what I can gather off of cloudy nights. And I believe the focal lengths are 25 millimeter, 18 and 12 and a half. Hmm. Not sure if they'll add to uh, the range or if they'll just stick to those three focal lengths, but uh, these are essentially replacing the uh, Takahashi Abbey Orthos that they recently had available. Those are now discontinued. And then the Takahashi uh, LE eyepieces that have been around for quite some time. I believe those are also discontinued. Um, so there's some initial reports about these eyepieces, um, but nothing too too detailed yet. Um, if you're interested in these or interested in some of the reviews, uh, there's a fairly long thread on Cloudy Nights uh, that was started by Justin Lee, who's been on the podcast oh, yeah. uh, before. He, uh, yeah, he kicked that one off. So it's it's a fascinating read if you're if you're in the market for something like that. You know, uh, again, a kind of a minimal glass uh, type of eyepiece. Um, I'm I'm certainly watching it. Uh, I'm not sure that I really need any more. I, I have all those focal lengths covered off with orthos and you know, other, uh, other styles, but, um, very, very interested to see how these eyepieces, uh, get reviewed. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, Justin Lee also sent us uh, an email, uh, Clint wrote a response to Blake's recent set of episodes on, uh, some beginner tips. Uh, Clint says, Hey guys, I enjoyed the show. It's Greek to me. I built a set of flashcards to help study them. If you download the app, then you should be able to access the 24 cards. This is for iPhone, and I don't know if the app is cross-platform. Check out the flashcards at, and it's www.brainscape.com slash P slash 5 capital A capital Q 5 9 dash capital L H dash capital C capital S, capital I, capital U, capital R. So if people get all that, they can check out Clint's flashcards. Pretty cool there. Have you checked those out? They're pretty neat. No, I did not. Um, I might give it a go. Oh, yeah. Give give that a go. Let's see. I just want to see if I have... um, Yeah, I don't have his notes here from... The Oregon Star Party. Here we go. This is from Justin Lee. I'm just going to read this sort of off the cup. Uh, it was a spectacular event at the Oregon Star Party, writes Justin. Seven nights of observing in a row. I saw M33 naked eye for the first time and possibly M81 as well. M13 was easy, even with one eye closed. Seeing M57 and M13 through Mel Bartels, 30 inch floored me. M57 had a very evident ring of fire around the outer perimeter, a pencil thin red all the way around it. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Wow, yeah, that is amazing. The star color in M13 was just utterly breathtaking, so much red and yellow and blue and so bright, it was just a completely different experience to viewing through smaller telescopes. IFN could be seen arcing all the way around the globular 
with a 22 inch we observe galaxies down to 16.8 magnitude i'm still trying to wrap my head around all the things we observed hope you had some clear nights and grasslands and he included a really cool astro photo it's a it's a landscape uh showing the milky way and dark horse nebula and some telescopes in the distance lit up with red thank you so much for that justin yeah yeah that's a great report um you know i have such a strong desire to look through a 30 inch telescope but i'm also kind of scared because <laughs> <laughs> my desire to own one will probably dramatically increase and uh you know you you get that aperture fever and it's hard to cure yes there's only one cure and that is more telescope <laughs> yes yes uh, yeah <laughs> and after our conversation with alistair I don't have much room for another telescope, no. so I don't know. We'll have to see. First, you get the telescope. Then you get the bank statement. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff. Well, yeah, that was fun. Just thought we'd do a catch up for folks and uh, still think I need to do some editing on some shows and get them off to you, Shane. It's just been so darn busy with uh, running around doing the star party and then the observatory and then going to another star party. And yeah, we will get those soon enough. And if we miss a show here in the future, folks, it's just because we are so busy this summer doing some actual astronomy. And with that, anything to add to the show, Shane? No, sir. That is all. Your listeners, please subscribe and do us the favor and share the show with other stargazers you know. You can always send us show ideas, observations, and any questions to actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com. <laughs>